Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Back to the Point. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Migs. And I'm Ian. And uh, it's been a while since we last recorded, but we have a shorter bunch of games to cover. There are only three games since our last recording. Uh, partially given to the fact that the Sharks have, well, are currently in the middle of their bye week. Um, so why don't you get us started, Ian? Uh, the first game was against Florida on some date in February. <laughs> February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day in Florida. Mm, no, at, okay. in San Jose. <sighs> Maybe it was. I don't remember. It was It was at home, I believe. I needed, first game back from the road trip. I needed to take... Yeah, that's why it was important. That's right. I remember mm-hmm. something significant about this game. I, need to, I really need to take notes on whether it was a home or away game. I should do that. Mental note. I should, should really take notes in general because <laughs> I took none these last three games. But it's okay. <laughs> you're mentally prepared because your emotions stay with you forever. Yeah. Um, this was a. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> neither do I. But let's go. You mean you mean my emotions of frustration, given the multitude of losses recently? I think. I think that's true. Yeah. Which is slightly appeased by the facts that fact that we somehow got points in a lot of those games. <sighs> yeah, that's a good lead-in. Um, so the first game we're covering is Florida. Um, this is the first game home, as we've kind of mused already, uh, from that road trip that the Sharks had. It was a four-game road trip, I think, uh, against some East Coast teams. It was kind of like uh, against middle-of-the-pack East Coast teams. Um, and I think I took this game for granted. If you look at the East Coast... It l- Dude, can we be honest? The Eastern Conference is, like, middle-of-the-pack across the board. Except for, like, <laughs> three teams, yeah. Yeah, except for Pittsburgh, Washington, and Columbus. No. You could even no, say I mean, that they're like. I don't trust um, about Columbus. Yeah, this thing, you could even say that they're they'll get into the first like round. a flash in the pan, you know? Yeah, they'll they'll get into the first round of the playoffs maybe, and I don't think they'll go much further. Maybe second, but they're uh, still young and they need some stuff going on. But I think, so going to this game, like literally every single team in the Eastern Conference, like sort of has a chance to like make it into the playoffs except for Detroit. And then there's like one other the team. Irony. Yeah, I know, right? It's so <laughs> sad. And then there's like one other team who's like maybe in there. And so so I have a friend from school and she is a diehard Red Wings fan. Oh poor her. Um so I like to poke fun at her about how they have uh, made the playoffs her whole life, and now they're not going to, probably. <laughs> she still holds on to hope, and I, I try not to be too uh, severe, but uh, it's fun fun to mess around with her. Yeah, they are, they are all but mathematically eliminated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the Red Wings, you can't hate on them too much. you got to respect that organization and everything. Mm-hmm. And they honestly had such a great run, 25 straight years in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I hope they uh, somehow get in, you know. That'd be just fun to see. Keep it alive. I I really don't care about the Eastern <laughs> Yeah, I was about much. to say, just like, I really don't actually care. The fear of the Penguins again. Yeah. And I know the Capitals are really good, but I know we play really well against the Capitals for the past several years. So I'm not. Um, I don't know. I if I I don't think I'm scared of any team in the NHL. 
And this is such jumping the gun because this yeah. is assuming going to the Stanley Cup final again. If we were to get that far, yeah. Um, I would. I would like. <laughs> ideal scenario like Montreal like makes it to the Stanley Cup final and then just falls apart Dude. and Carey Price has another meltdown. He doesn't. He <laughs> just doesn't do we, that though. We just steamroll them. Carey Price doesn't break down. Dude, he had a. He's had a major meltdown these past few weeks, and he's only recently started to pick it up again. Oh wow. I'm surprised they like let him play through that. They like protect him like no other. He made this ridiculous save the other day. Uh, They're playing New York. I think it was last night or the night before. Literally like seconds left in overtime. He it was like a cross ice feed for like he didn't quite one time it, but he had a ton of open net. Carey Price like dives across. Oh. And then makes a save, and then overtime just runs out, and then they win in the shootout or something. Or, I don't know who won that game, but he got that was just that was crazy. Um, anyway, it, see, it's fun to talk about the rest of the league sometimes if you know what's going on. Hey. And we've totally tangented from this yeah. uh, Florida. So the Sharks the reason game. why I started that line of line of thought is because the entire Eastern Conference more or less has the chance to make the playoffs yeah which is not necessarily the case there's definitely different like levels of not levels groupings of points where it's like attainable or not in the western conference and there's some separation in the eastern conference like detroit almost mathematically can't make it but uh, there's so many teams that are just kind of close that going into this florida game they're right on the bubble Mm-hmm. And they're like the game that we played them in the the next like three or four games after that, it was more or less like if we lose these games, we will sell at the trade deadline and not commit to making the playoffs this year, or we will buy at the trade deadline and commit to making the uh, the playoffs this year. And anytime we play an Eastern Conference team, they just literally like cannot play. I was gonna say like play soft. But then no one in the NHL does that. They have more pressure than I think some teams in the West do. And I think it I think it yeah. showed in this game. Uh, I think it was six minutes into the game, and there was already three goals. And then, like, just two or three minutes later, there was a total of four goals. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, it was crazy. And it was, uh, it was, it was really fun to watch. But I also don't like games like that because then it's like really open in the beginning, especially when they all are clumped really fast together where all the goals get scored really close together. And then the rest of the game is like hardcore defense shut down and it's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, I believe I tuned in briefly to this game after the Panthers scored their second goal. And then I saw them get another quick one after that. And I was like, oh, shoot, they're down 3-1 now. But then I saw them climb back because I watched through to the beginning of the second and they made it 3-3. Yeah. So you, you just... <laughs> But then they gave up two goals again. It was very, very uh, strange high-scoring game. Yeah, so I think it, it was a strange high-scoring game. And I think uh, the scoring was pretty streaky. Panthers came off really hot, but the Sharks are actually playing well. The Panthers just happened to be scoring in their chances. Um, it's not like the the Sharks played poorly like they did get did against Boston in Boston where they just like collapsed on themselves and just like keeled over and died. Um, Panthers and the Sharks both had a really good game. Panthers just came out strong. 
Yeah, I was under the impression that the Panthers didn't really have a ton of great chances, but they pretty much scored on all their great chances, like all their breakaways, two-on-ones, things like that, or a large major, like a majority of them. So, and that was the difference, because you don't really want to see the Sharks' defense giving up those chances, but much less. I mean, you, you want to count on your goaltender to at least save like one or two of those, and you know Jones is ca- capable of making those highlight highlight reel saves and I feel like he does it fairly often um but he just didn't really have it in him that night I don't think it was necessarily on him I think early in the game there was some uh defensive lapses which were not just like someone playing normally nor that's so I I can't just like describe it like that it gives like zero credit to the to the Panthers. The Panthers were playing really well and making great moves, forcing the Sharks to step up on defense. And sometimes when they did that early in the game, the Panthers challenged and the Sharks D fumbled a little bit. And in those brief moments of opportunity, they uh, um they used that to their advantage and they got a quick score um, early after giving up a. Uh, a couple two-on-ones early. Yeah, so just going through my notes, the Sharks the Sharks definitely dominated the Panthers early with, like, the first couple minutes they had a lot of sustained zone time, and I was like, okay, this is going to be a good game. Um, and then they just kept on giving up two-on-ones for some reason. I don't know what they were doing, but the Panthers must have watched some game film or studied them, or maybe their just game is uh, good against us, but they definitely had a lot of breakaways and fast chances like that. And uh, they scored a goal, and then Burns Burns, Burns scored a goal 31 seconds right after that. He just, like, rips it in. Uh, After Pavelski, like, I think he, like, stripped or intercepted a pass from the defensive zone while in the Panthers' defensive zone while he was forechecking. And then he kind of just, like, held onto the puck and, like, deked around their players, like, while he was in place waiting for uh, Burns to come in support. He passes it off to Burns, and then Burns rips it in for a goal. So it's pretty cool to see. Nice defensive defensive play from uh, Pavelski. But then, like, right after that, the Panthers score again off of a breakaway. And then uh, Barkov scores, like, just a minute or two later, and it's, like, 3-1 three, three to one in the Panthers' favor. And it was just starting to get kind of, kind of odd. Um, and then... Uh, I just want to clarify that I, I don't think it's Jones' fault. I'm just saying mm. when there's, like, breakdowns like that, you you would hope that your goaltender could, like, make at least one, like, great save. Yeah. Um, that could have been the difference, but just... N- n- he didn't. He didn't have that. And I'm not saying that it's his fault. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. you ain't get one of those. But yeah. anyway, continue um, yeah, um, what you were saying. So after that third goal, the Sharks get a... Um, Timo Meyer gets a goalie interference penalty. Um, and then we had a great PK on that, and then the game just start and st- starts to type up, tighten up a little bit. And then um, Burns again pulls a pass, rimming off the boards onto the point from the right side, walks it in along the blue line towards the middle of the slot, shoots a low wrister in, uh, deflects off of Thornton's stick, and then back like between... Thornton and Joel Ward off of Joel Ward's stick and then back into the goal. 
and then they score. So it was like a double deflection, a deflection off a deflection, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I thought that was Joe Thornton's goal initially. Yeah, but, um, it like just it was harder to see the touch by Ward. Yeah, but uh, it adds it adds to Thornton's assist number towards one thousand. So that was cool. Yeah, so it was great, and then it became two three, and the game had tightened up a little bit. So I was pretty, um, pretty happy about that. Vlasic gets a shot off. He actually scores, and it deflects off the defenseman, and it gets three three. So I was pretty I was pretty happy about that. Um, and that was in the second period. And uh, Demers takes down Pavs in the penalty shot. He doesn't take him down, but he, like, hugs him over Pavs's from behind over Pavs' body. And uh, Demers is... He missed him. I man. know. He was just so excited to see him again. Uh, former Shark uh, Demers is. And um, so that earns Pavs a penalty shot. And Pavs didn't score on the penalty shot. Uh, which always feels like a we're going to score, but it's only like a 30% chance in the career, I think. It's basically the shooting percentage of a uh, um, uh, shootout. So it's like a one in three chance. He didn't score. Um, too bad. And then the game kind of continues in in the third period. Not too much notes. It was, it was back and forth, but it was a, a tighter game, and it wasn't as quite as open. Um, Bukestad scores for the Panthers, gives him the lead. Um, and then, uh, Yager gets his 1900th point, which is just insane, uh, on his 45th birthday, which is also insane. So I don't know which one is more, I mean, 1900 (laughs) is more insane, but I think he's in like a, uh, Rarified. Well, let's not discount the fact that he's a 45-year-old and still... Yeah, with his age, he's playing, in a, yeah. a rarefied air. He's way up in the stratosphere with that. I think he said something like he wants to play till he's 50. And at that point, it's like, I think Gordie Howe was the oldest player at, like, 52. Yeah. And, like, I think I can't officially, like, confirm this or anything, but I, was, I think I was hearing this one time, and I'm like... At 52, I think Gordie Howe was having, like, a 30-point season or something like that. At, like, Mm. 52, like, that's, like, serviceable, you know? Like, just imagine all of the... Man, at that age, like, you've played in the NHL for, like, 30 years. That's just, like, ridiculous. Like, when you get to, like, age 33, depending on how, like, elite elite of a player you are, like, that's, like, where you start considering retirement. It's like, mm-hmm. are you a borderline player? Yeah, well, you probably won't make it to 35. Are you, like, a pretty average player? Yeah, you'll probably make it to 35. And then it's like, you can get to, you know, like the Thorntons and the Marlows, where, you know, they're, like, elite players. They're 37. They might play for another year or two. Thornton maybe a little bit longer. Don't know about Marlow. His game is still a lot of speed, so it depends on how his legs hold up. But he has just the ability to do that, too. And then you have people like, you know, Tamu Solani who played till they're like 40, I think that was like 44. He was playing past 42. And then it's like, Yager, he's 45, and he can, he's still putting up like a lot of points. And then you have like Gordie Howe, 52. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, that's insane. Like, Gordie Howe was like, he was playing for so long that he was actually able to play on the same line as his son. Yeah, that's insane. This is ridiculous. He, so he started his career in the 46-47 season oh and gosh. ended it in 79-80. Oh, my insane? gosh, yeah. But he took, 
he played for the WHL. From what I've heard, I don't know, I, I, my history knowledge isn't too great on this, but I think he was part of like the International Hockey League or oh, something like that, right. and then came to the back to the NHL with Hartford yeah, for that yeah. last season when he played with his sons. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, because on the NHL stats page, it like ends with Detroit stats at the 70-71 season, and the next NHL team stat is Hartford in 1979-1980. Yeah, um, that's right. I said WHA, but I was wrong. It was the IHL. Yeah. Which is just insane. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, getting back to the game, uh, Pavs gets another goal, which was dope. Um, And then... So that's 4-5, Panthers leading. And then we pull Jones, and Pavs scores again. And he scores it and ties it. Um, and it was awesome. I think that was uh, Pav's twentieth goal of the season, which is always good to see, especially as pretty much everyone team wide has had some uh, lower goal totals and points totals. It was nice to see him get twenty twenty, twenty points, twenty uh, twenty assists, twenty goals. Um, he only has twenty assists. No, he has he more. has more, but he has at least twenty. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then on the last play of the game, Luongo like tweaked his knee or something. He, like, was sitting on his knees, not, like, bending them. Like, sitting on top of his knees, and he, like, leaned back, and it looked like something popped in his knee or something like that. And then with, like, a second left... It looked like something popped? Well, he, like, <laughs> leaned back a little bit, and then all of a sudden he, like, falls over and grabs his knee, and there's, like, a 35 seconds left or something like that after Pav scores to potentially force OT. And then James Reimer comes back in, and it's like, oh, hey, James, like, how you been? <laughs> We missed you, too. Um, and then they force OT. And uh, later in the broadcast, they said Luongo just got a cramp or something. But he he's getting older, so he probably wanted to be cautious about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, keeping with the recent theme of the road trip, the Panthers score, and they get a goal um, uh, in overtime on the 3-on-3. Three three. Uh, Schlemko lost his stick in that like interaction before the goals the goal was scored and then um Huberdeau ended up getting the goal and Schlemko was guarding him but early in the play he had lost his stick so Schlemko really couldn't defend him properly and then Huberdeau got the goal and then the game was over and it was just kind of like it was frustrating but Oh, it's sad when you yeah. make two comebacks like that to come back from yeah, two goals down yeah. and then you end up losing. And I think it definitely shows a lot of heart and grit and other intangible words. But, like, you know, it was, the game quickly became 3-1 and they stopped it from getting worse when the Panthers looked like they could go for a lot more. And uh, they came back and tied it. And then the Panthers got another league and the they came back and tied it, and then they continued and tied it 5-5 with, like, just seconds left on the game under a minute. Um, and, yeah, it, it was good to see it after the play on the road trip um, where, again, we got another overtime loss, but, again, we got a point. Like, I'll say over and over again, if we're going to get the playoffs and get that first position, we need to pick up points no matter what all the time. So I was really happy that we got points, albeit one. Um, 
it was good to see that they came back and gamed really hard for the whole game. I don't know about you, but any final thoughts on that game? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I didn't get to see that most of that game. Um, but yeah, just uh, a bit frustrating that we lost another game, especially after the um, frustrating road trip. But uh, I did get a chance to see all of the Arizona game, which was next. So I guess I'll kick us off starting uh, starting to talk about that. So this is a great game by the Sharks, I thought. Um, if you can remember from the last Coyotes matchup, they kind of uh, kind of dictated the way that we played a little bit in the sense that they played their physical, frustrating get get in the way of our flow type uh type thing the sharks couldn't really get anything going um there was that was the game that was very bizarre um but yeah this was definitely different and we played in arizona i thought the sharks did a really good job of carrying the play um brent burns had two goals again which is amazing um i think you know, for one of the goals, I can't remember if it was the first goal, because he scored the first and fourth goal of the game, so the first and last. But there was one of them where I just got this sense he had the puck, and he was just skating, like, towards the center of the ice, and I was like, Burns is, like, going to get a goal here. Like, I thought that he shot and he scored. Because it's just like he scores so often now that you can almost just predict by his body movements, the way he's skating, he's just going to go for it, and he's just going to nail it, you know? Yeah, I think that so, was the first goal when he was, like, he had come down to pinch and then he skated back towards the point and then kept on pushing and pushing and pushing with his inside foot and then drove around the top back into the slot and then was coming in towards the middle and then had that rip of a wrist shot and just like killed it. But he just like, yeah. it was such like a power move because there's like two players following him. He's like, go up to the point, curl back around, go right in the middle. I'm going to fire it and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, it was probably that one, but um, I just I just got that overwhelming sense, you know. Yeah, I think it was that first goal. It I'm was watching so, it again now. He's just it was so good. Man, his wrist shot is just so impressive, yeah. um, and the way he just gets it off, like wherever the puck is next yeah. to his, his body. His release is is really good. He can get his release from like any position, which is really important. Um, and then also it's extremely fast too. Yeah, and like. It's ridiculous. Okay, disclaimer. We talk about Burns a lot, yes, but he's also having a season. Why not? Exactly. Why wouldn't we talk about He's Burns having a more? season that's like rivaling, <laughs> that's potentially rival, rivaling Bobby Orr. <laughs> he's like potentially the greatest defenseman since Bobby Orr this season, which is like yeah. unheard of. Bobby... Well, Bobby Orr changed well, that, the position of defenseman. Well, you're forget. What isn't it? Aren't you forgetting like Phil Esposito or like since Bobby Orr. Paul Coffey? So or something like that. Yeah, there's been some great people since then. Because they showed up. They showed some t- statistics about the most goals through a certain amount of games, and um, I think those are a couple of the names that popped up. Yeah. Um, um, but that's that's kind of more in the last 30, 30 40 years. Yeah. So um, Bobby Orr is the more prolific name to be compared to because yeah. he led the league in scoring, mm-hmm. which is possible for Burns. While the other two yeah. names you named were great players, they didn't lead the league in scoring. They had a dang ton of goals, though. Yeah. So just, <laughs> we'll stop talking about him. No, we won't. But like... No, we're not going to stop talking about Burns. I, I, I mean, it's just insane. Make, He's so we're gonna good. We're going to savor this moment. 
delicious Susan by Brent Burns, who is pretty much a lock to win the Norris Trophy, yeah. barring major injury or uh, incredulous goal assist, just point drought. Yeah. Um, even even so, if he did, I think other players would have to score at a point per game place to beat him in points right now, just given how far back they are. Yeah. So I mean, it's and pretty it would be assured. awesome if you won the scoring race, but yeah, Connor McDavid and Crosby are just so good at putting up points. Dude, Connor McDavid um, is so good. Crosby is yeah. like elite, right? Connor McDavid comes in. I think he was was he a rookie last year, but he got injured for part of the time, right, or something like that. Uh huh. But this is like his full first full year where he's really like laying it in, and he's leading Crosby, and it's just like, oh my. Gosh, he's so good. Yeah. So, I mean, Dude, just the fact I'm, that... I'm just looking at Paul Coffey's stats, though. Mm-hmm. Get this. In 1985 and 1986, he had 48 goals <laughs> and 90 <laughs> assists oh as a defenseman. Gosh. And he had another 40-goal season and 86 points, uh, 86 uh, assists uh, two years before that. The year between 37 goals, 84 assists. These are insane numbers. Yeah. I mean, they scored um, more back then. That's true. That that must be accounted for. But but even wow. like percentage wise and like normalized. Wow. For like the only reason scoring. he probably didn't win league title for scoring because Wayne Gretzky was on his team. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were playing at the same time. Yeah. Oh man, that's nuts. Oh my gosh. Did you say Paul Coffey and Wayne Gretzky were in the same team? Uh. Maybe they were. Maybe yes, they, they were. They were on Edmonton at the same time. Oh, okay. I always um, remember Paul Coffey playing for Pittsburgh. And I just made a major hockey gaffe. I said Phil Esposito earlier. Yeah, I was Phil like... Phil Esposito was a center. I was like, pretty sure he's not a I don't know why that name got in my mind. I think it's because, like, these kind of before my time... Yeah, you, you mentioned... players, I can, like, mix them up sometimes, and I'm not super familiar with them. You mentioned so. Phil Esposito, and I was like... I know he was really good, but I don't actually know what position he played, so I can't You're like, huh? Him. What does he mean, huh? <laughs> yeah. Listeners, we're uh, not perfect, and we know a lot about the not. Sharks. We're not. And even then, we and don't really honest, know a lot. And to be honest, I'm fairly young. It's just been a passionate fandom <laughs> in in yeah. my young fandom. But it's, it's what, six, seven years now since I went to that first uh, yeah. first game with the other Shark Tank. If you'd love to um, hear how we became fans, we have it on our website at the About Me page. It's some good stuff. Um, right. So, so let's talk about more about Burns. Yep. Just the rest of the podcast. Yep. Definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know what? I'm kidding. Let you me, know what bothered let me? Let me finish. What's that? You know what bothered me about this game? What? Arizona's throwback jerseys. Dude, I like those I jerseys. I cannot make out, like, the abstract Picasso hockey wolf <laughs> mask so thing. Coy- coyote mask. It, it just, like, I look at it, and I'm like, is this a profile where you see his face or is it like looking straight on and only half of his face is covered by the mask i just i, I it's it's so picasso like it just it's like screams yeah, it's 90s interesting. it's unique i like it i think it's it, fun it's one of those throwback like 90 jerseys that it's so 90 just remind you of our childhood yeah and the, just the style then uh, I, I was telling my fiance when we were watching the game i was like the colors that they used in the 90s were just like just the straight color you know they weren't like too bright like they might have been in the 80s and they weren't there there's no like muted earthy tones like you see now it was just like this is purple and <laughs> yeah. this is blue 
and this is yellow. It's like <laughs> it's like when you go on like paint on your computer. It's just like <laughs> those straight color palette pictures. It's just like let's just oh, use those man. colors, right? I swear. So I really like those '90s. I like I really like the Sharks original jerseys, the Ducks. The as, as are bad as it is, awesome. I think the Ducks original jerseys are some of the most beautiful jerseys. Yeah, I was about I to say, I'm scheme. so happy that the that the Sharks didn't get like, you know, like the teal and then the purple that always got put together like '90s like snow jackets. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm so thankful that the Sharks original jerseys like weren't some like combination of that. that Dude, so I have to say, when I was a kid in the '90s. Uh, we had some inline skates and I remember there was a pair that were like teal, like or seafoam green, and there was a pair that was like purple. So classic. classic. Like exactly what you're saying, that purple and like teal or blue. You color. could not escape that color pattern. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, it was so funny. But um yeah, I guess the <clears throat> Coyotes jerseys I don't like as much as the Sharks and Ducks jerseys from back then, but I think they're, they're cool throwback. They have a interesting design to them. Um Anyway, though, back to the game. Uh, Carlson scores a goal um, towards the end of the first period to make it 2-0. Michael Haley gets his first goal uh, in, like, 40-something games. Dude, first goal of the season to the make it 3-0. What's that? He was the only player without a goal. that Except for, like, Marcus Sorensen. Or, like, if you took some, like, reasonable sample size of games, like something like 10 or 15, he was the only player without a goal like on the regular roster of players. And so good job, Michael Haley. He kills it every game. And uh, as a fourth line player, he is real good. He does his job and I really will, well. I will say uh, the fourth line was really killing it this game. They were just, oh, yeah, that I was, think they were mm-hmm. like the best line that game. They um, easily were. Carlson had like a, two, a three point night. He assisted on yeah. Burns first goal. And he assist, he got the second goal, and then he assisted on Haley's goal. Uh, so Melker's best best game ever, maybe. Um, I think that's the most points he's gotten in one game. Probably. Um, so it was really cool. So uh, anyway, Michael Haley made it 3-0 at the beginning of the second. Uh, the Coyotes get one early in the third. At this point, I started to worry a little bit just because the Sharks have shaken my trust in them slightly. Dude. Lately, with the uh, believe, Buffalo loss, which harder. shall not be named again, believe harder. and the Minnesota loss, which shall not be named believe again, believe harder. No, we'll probably we'll probably talk about them again in our frustration. Believe harder. We're frustrated again, but believe uh, harder. <laughs> but yeah, they uh, they shook my trust a little bit. So at this point, I was like, don't don't let them get under your skin, and do not give up this lead. But it was nice to see them score in the power play uh, at the end of the game with Burns getting another goal. Yeah. Uh, twenty that puts them at twenty seven goals on the season. Uh, still up there with the league leaders in points among uh, forwards and defensemen, and not no other defenseman is even close to him. So that was pretty awesome. Joe Thornton got another assist in this game, which puts him at uh, nine ninety. Put him at nine ninety eight or nine ninety nine or something like that. Nine ninety eight. Mm, did he get a point in Boston? Uh well we only scored once and no. <laughs> okay. Oh. So no. Yeah, that's uh, nine ninety eight. Nine ninety eight or ninety nine. It's nine ninety nine. So it would have been nice to see him get one thousand against Boston, but um, yeah. we couldn't score that game. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I put it right on my sheet. Uh. 
Thornton gets assist 998. Burns get another one, like you said. Uh, this game was great. I really liked how we just super utterly dominated this game with, like, legit play and, like, Sharks hockey instead of punching in the face or cheap plays and bad penalties like it was last game. So I just really appreciated that the Sharks just, like, super dominated. Um, and... Yeah, they just played like hard sharks coffee. <laughs> coffee, they played <laughs> hard, hard sharks coffee, dude. We gotta make that coffee, dude. I would if they made. You know they have that chum blend of of beer. Yeah, I would exactly. love to get. We gotta come up with the chum version of coffee. Yeah, I would drink that. Um. Yeah, I just loved how they played, and it was very notable that they played a clean game. It was very very few penalties. The refs weren't calling much, but it didn't get all heated and like penalty stricken and play interrupting penalties and scruffs and scrums and stuff like that so i just really appreciate how it was just a super solid effort of just like straight hockey from the sharks and it was like last game they played and then the uh coyotes got them off their game and then this game they're like oh wait yeah we're like way better than you are let's just destroy you with our play and they did it and it was great it was interesting how it was such a contrast from the game before where there was like a million players in the penalty box and this game there was yeah. one penalty called like the whole game. Yeah. Uh so Goldobin got his first start of the year. Was that this game? That was the Arizona game. And I thought yeah. he did he looked a little rusty or just kinda out of his depth. I think he was probably nervous to play. Um it just seemed like like I know what he was thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in his play, it seemed like his passes were like a little bit off, or he would. Uh, yeah, I remember just re- specifically remember a couple like east-west passes in the neutral zone or the breakout, where he just like didn't have crisp tape-to-tape passes or kind of just like fumbled it a little bit. When it's just like, yeah, like, you know, if you're playing regularly with these teammates, you would, you would be able to get that down and. I mean, he knows how to do that too, right? He's a really good player. Um, so that was kind of unfortunate to see. And as the game went on, he, he started playing better and he had a couple of chances. Um, definitely gets pushed around in the corners a lot. He was getting worked a bit. But uh, in the third period, Goldobin gets a block on like the high slot. And then it goes off his shin pads and then he just bolts to the net with the rebound with the block that bounces out back into the neutral zone and he keeps on going for a breakaway and he instead he's like really close and instead of taking a shot he dumps it between the legs pass and then unselfishly gives it to Paul Martin and um oh I remember that and I was just like pass? yeah I was like dude you yeah. probably want to score so badly because, like, any goals you get while you're on the roster up at the big club, that's going to help you stay there, right? And just, to like, the presence of mind and, like, team play, just like, you know what? I'm going to be unselfish to hopefully increase the chances of scoring right here so we win. It was just like, dude, that's good to see. I really like that from him. Uh, definitely. Need- I thought it was an interesting play because um, Paul Martin wasn't quite ready for it, so it wasn't the best executed, but... It was a nice thought, and I think yeah. if something had worked on it, uh, it would have been great. Yeah, there would have yeah. been a lot of uh, 
I'm sure the commentators would have been all over that, being like, oh, what an unselfish play. I mean, those are the plays that you really love to see in hockey, like those tic-tac-toe passes or those smart, like, drop passes, uh, mm-hmm. just great playmaking. Um, yeah. As great as the dirty goals are for, for getting towards the goal of winning. They're not highlight um, goals. Highlight goals yeah, are Yeah, you want to see those pretty, uh, like, intelligent, um, high-skill plays. Um, that really kind of opened things up. So I always appreciate seeing seeing stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, shall we move on to the Boston game? Uh, yep. So I don't like national broadcasts. This was the end of <laughs> Ian. Ian, I was, was especially frustrated. I was especially All the frustrated time watching national broadcasts, as I'm sure most fans do, especially on the West Coast, because we just get shafted all the time. But like, oh, your game starts at 7:30. You're like, oh, the East Coast game at the 4:30 slot is going to overtime again. Surprise! Your game gets delayed by 15 minutes <laughs> yeah. on a channel that just like isn't broadcasted. Although, like, oh, we'll show it on the app for a little bit. It's like. Ugh. Anyways, I was just mad. And then the intermission reports, so they just show, like, the recaps from the other games that happened, like, seven times over. It's like, okay, I know Calgary scored. Thank you. Like, let's move on. In my I notes... it's so fitting how one of the Boston uh, play-by-play or color analyst guy, he's got the thickest <laughs> yeah. Bostonian accent. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's so it's so fitting, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like, Tuka Rask there makes a great save. Yeah, you can just see Bergeron <laughs> get the pass across the... It's just like, oh, that's so funny. I'm not even going to try with my accent because I'll embarrass <laughs> myself severely. Not that that was anywhere near a Boston accent. <laughs> but uh, I do... The one thing I like about the the national broadcast is that they stopped having like, oh, Doc Everett broadcasting every game with a pass across the front. <laughs> and he drives! And he drives! Oh! <laughs> it's like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And so they still do the intermission with the people that I don't generally like. I don't really think Mike Mulberry, Milbury and uh, Jeremy Roenick like, particularly say very much. Um, but I really do like that they basically take one home broadcaster from each of the teams playing and have them do the yeah. broadcast. I, actually, I like that too. I actually enjoy it. I think it's fun, especially just getting to hear another opinion instead of like Randy and Jamie, it, who are both Sharks yeah opinion opinionated in favor of the sharks i like hearing it from the other side too you know i i thought it was interesting because um during these national broadcasts like obviously you said that they they take some from each team um like two and one or because i think it was like brett hedigan um randy hahn and a guy from boston who i don't know (laughs) and unless they had four guys on there no there's three um but it's interesting because you know uh if you're just watching a local broadcast and the other team wins, uh, like say it's an overtime thing, Randy will be just like, and they score. And it's like kind of flat and just like a sad tone. But he, he knows, he's just like so experienced where he he knows like when he's doing a national broadcast, he can't have his like bi- biased tone. Mm-hmm. So he'll like, he'll have like a more uh, exclamatory uh, remark at the at the with like a game winning goal or an overtime goal if the if the opposing team wins like so when uh, um, yeah. Marshan got the overtime goal he was like and they score it's three <laughs> two in overtime and like, you're like Randy you're betraying us <laughs> stop it it hurts <laughs> you're twisting the knife in my heart no no definitely not but uh, it's it's just interesting how he He's, you know he'll 
you know, change what he's saying or even kind of his tone and stuff according to what what type of broadcast it is. I just thought that was uh, an interesting little um, thing that I noticed. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's like literally a professional at his, <laughs> at his craft. He's okay. like good at it. Oh, okay, cool. I listened to a uh, podcast or an interview with uh, Randy Hahn a few months ago. And he pretty much talked about his broadcasting history and kind of how he got into things. And because he used to broadcast for like some other sports, he used to be like a soccer uh, commentator or broadcaster, I think. Oh, I like him more now. Um, yeah, I, I forgot where it was, but it's worth looking into. Um, it was a pretty long interview. Um, so cool thing for Sharks fans to check out. I'm sorry I don't have any <laughs> detailed information. Maybe if you do a quick uh, Google search with like uh randy hahn yeah. interview oh. about his career or something like that you know you know it what was i was gonna cool. say earlier you know how we were talking about burns's shot and how he just rips it off from anywhere yeah you know how like i think a couple episodes ago i mentioned that my teammate has a couple of old burns game sticks because he used to be his neighbor and yeah. I, I just it just came to me that player also plays exactly like Burns. Literally from anywhere, will just rip off wrist shots, and he has a really good wrist shot. And he'll <laughs> score from, like, anywhere. He'll just, like, enter the zone, wrist shot. And he'll just, like, rip it in really fast, and he'll They're score. They were playing some street hockey with their kids, and he was just like, listen, do, do what I do. <laughs> listen. And you'll be fine. Rotate your <laughs> hips 45 degrees. No, no, that's 44 degrees. <laughs> just like... <laughs> yeah. Be more precise. I thought it was just so funny that, like, if... If I had, like, some special goggles, I could see, like, Burns' aura, like, going from the stick into his arms and, like, just, like, taking over and getting little, like, Burns brain cells. Anyways, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny that even though he uses his stick, he plays the exact same way. To yeah. a lesser Dude, degree. Dude, I want to play like Burns. Dude, I know. That's a compliment. <laughs> I would, if I was, okay. He's one of the if, better players If you're a team. young kid, like, in America or Canada or whatever, um, and you're, like, a big NHL fan... And there's like a if there's a player you want to like model your game after. Don't you think a lot of young kids will be like, I want to be like Brent Burns, dude. Yeah, like the way he plays, how dynamic and just how intense he is is. It's like if I were a kid, I'd be like, yeah, I want to be like him, <laughs> you know. And then he's got a fun beard, which I'm sure people like as well. Yeah, and yeah, he's but got that's that why toothless smile. That's another reason why his contract is so great because he's this enormous marketing opportunity, and you're yeah. starting to see that more and more, like around the league. Mm. Burns is mentioned more nationally still get him for eight million for eight years i love it um but this was a stupid game that was on a stupid <laughs> national broadcast back to the sobering game <laughs> yeah. which ended up being a uh bruins 2-1 overtime win uh really tight game bruins pretty much controlled the first period after they scored their goal um and then it just I don't know <sighs> dude you're like always like this in Sharks losses when uh, you're talking about uh, them you're like uh man uh dude I just uh this game was just mm, uh no <laughs> cause I get you know it's just frustrating watching you're just you're just there <laughs> it's good it shows your heart and your emotion it makes I like, care yeah I, I care about the Sharks <laughs> 
<laughs> you're just like you're always at like a slight loss for words just like ah, i just i don't depressing. know what happened man because <laughs> they're supposed to win every single game that's my thought my thought is like literally i don't expect them to win but going into every game you ex- you expect them to win the game yeah but in your heart yeah, know you know you at the end result they won't win every game yeah so it's unfortunate to be watching the game realizing that this is one of the games where they lose and it's always just like oh do you want to do you want to share with uh, the listeners uh all two of them about um how irrational in my emotions i was when i was first into the sharks when i was really into it uh yeah i'm just looking at the game let's see if we can finish this out there's pretty much (laughs) then we'll talk about we'll talk uh, about that (laughs) insanity um Maybe this is just a function of uh, us being on the bye week right now. I feel like when there's more hockey going on, I feel like I remember more about the games. But I also feel like this game, the Bruins just kind of were suffocating and it was a really tight game. And uh, again, a 1-1 going in, 1-1 score going into overtime. Marchand gets a breakaway, absolutely no one on him and just buries it. I've been uh, disappointed in overtime you know well the sharks started off the season the first four or five overtime games yeah uh they were playing playing and um and we went to one uh, against the oilers a couple days before christmas but just their their excellent possession biding their time and they would they had like a great record but lately like they've been struggling in overtime they've been having trouble keeping possession and stuff um uh and I, I I did get the chance to see the overtime of this game, and they just Boston had possession most of the time. When the Sharks did get possession, they turned it over like two or three times. Yeah, they just looked tired. Like yeah, I think the game. Like yeah. Um. Yeah. So the I mean the goal that tight like it was a one zero game for Boston, for a large portion of the game and at the in the second period Burns takes a shot that deflects off someone and then happens to land on Marlowe's stick when he's like off 45 degrees on the blocker side completely open he just like taps it in um and in the it was yeah and then the third period it was pretty tight the whole time um Burn the Jones with a crazy save to end the game uh, pushing her across the crease to stop like a one-timer like from the top of the crease it was crazy but i think the bruins controlling overtime was a function of them controlling the game i think the sharks played better but not enough to win control of the game and i feel like the sharks i feel like whoever starts with a lot of the possession in overtime often like whoever gets that first face off or two in overtime or mostly it's just one they maintain possession for most of overtime is what i feel is that correct? I don't know. But that's what I feel. And in the past couple of overtime losses, they've been on unfortunate errors. Like, I remember, like, this last one, Marchand, like, uh, what, I think he just, like, gets a break or, like, sees the open yeah. puck or, like, strips it in the neutral zone, and it's completely open breakaway. And then the one before, like, Burns, like, whiffed on a pass. And, like, that happens on five-on-five, five, but there's more people in play to make sure that you don't necessarily get punished for those all the time. And in overtime, a couple of times it's been like neutral zone slip ups. Yeah. That have really cost us. And so they were getting caught up in the neutral zone as if they were like, 
<laughs> as if there wasn't a ton of open ice, you know? Yeah. Um, and like sometimes, which, you know, when they're on their game, that like won't happen, you know? So they've been a bit off lately. Yeah. Sometimes I think they could be smarter in how they're going through the neutral zone. Sometimes it feels like Burns like starts to engage people to try to go one-on-one in the neutral zone, like too low to our blue line. I feel like he should be doing that higher up so that if it fails, there's more people able to get back. Um, but I think that'll kind of even out as the overtime goes on. I think it's just been some unfortunate bounces that haven't gone our way with like a whiff or a strip pass or something like that, which obviously is great play by the team to capitalize that or force that. But, um, you know, I think, I think we'll, I think we'll pick it up. And again, we lose, but it was an overtime loss and we get a straight, uh, we get a point, which, which feels good. Yeah, so right now the Sharks uh, coming off the um, – we're near the end of their bye five-day period. I, I said a week earlier, but that's not quite true. But um, they sit with 77 points, uh, leading the Pacific Division still. Uh, 60 games played. Edmonton is in second with 61 games played and 74 points. And Anaheim is 62 games played with 74 points. So – you know, all said and done, the the Oilers and the Ducks both both won yesterday, uh, which was Wednesday, February twenty second. But um, nonetheless, the Sharks still have at least a game in hand on each team, and they're three points ahead of both. So it's definitely a good place that they've been in. Um, hopefully, they won't be wanting those extra points they gave up on that road trip in those uh, games against Boston and Florida. But it's in a good position. I'm hoping that when they come back. Um, They'll kind of be energized, refreshed uh, for this final home stretch before the playoffs. Um, maybe Dell will get some more starts, give Jones some more rest as well. I feel like um, he's I think been... that really was helpful to him last season. Yeah, with I f- Reimer. I feel like he's been getting more starts. I know he played really well in his Arizona start. Um, I think the more starts he's been getting, I feel like the the team has been getting a little bit more confident on him. So I think that's going well. I would also like to clarify, as we talk about the standings, last time when I said uh, Winnipeg was in <laughs> the Pacific Division, I was uh, looking at the wild card, and that was my fault. I know, sure. I know they're not in the Pacific Division, <laughs> thank you, and all the other flubs I had. But uh, So uh, wild card position for the Western Conference now, Nashville is – the number one wild card spot with 67 points and Calgary was at 66. The Kings are sitting outside looking in with 62 points. What a wonderful thing. Moment they of, lost. Moment they of lost praise. Tonight, I believe. Moment of praise. To, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> oh dear, what are you doing? <laughs> Suck at Kings. Oh, I love seeing they lost despair. Four one today to the Bruins. They uh, are in pretty dire, sh- not, very dire straits, but it's not looking good. They've been losing a lot of games lately. Um, I think this whole uh, playoff picture around the league is unfolding kind of interestingly. I know you said that we kind of talked about the Eastern Conference, how it's all pretty tight, but I think there's some separation that's occurring there, um, even in the East. Um, Montreal, which started their season off very hot, has cooled down and been very average for the middle of the season. Uh, they are in danger of losing their number one position in the Atlantic with they... Ottawa only two points behind and three games in hand on Montreal. 
Montreal uh, is two seven and one in their last ten. Dude, Yikes. and they got shut um, out of their last game. What do you think of Carey Price? I think he's probably the best goalie in the world. But <laughs> I I can't comment on that because I haven't seen him play enough. I mean, he I just think it's interesting. Literally, let me. I just want to say this point, and that's basically the only point I have against with not against for him. Is he like literally? Is the entire reason why the Montreal Canadiens get so insanely good at the streaks they have, or do so uh-huh. well in the playoffs? It's like literally the entire team is riding on his back. He is like Atlas carrying the world of Montreal on his shoulders through the NHL through these games. It's insane. Like you were saying how he had that crazy save and it's like, oh, which one? Like all goalies have some crazy saves every once in a while, but consistently the amount of support he's given. Like Montreal, like name a couple people on Montreal's roster that make them like an elite contender team. It's like maybe there's one or two, but not a whole lot. What makes them an elite contender team, not maybe not that they would be elite, but what makes them a contender is just simply Prairie, Prairie Kais, <laughs> Carey Price. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah. You know, I, I just think it's interesting because there is that talk, you know, that he's like the best best goaltender in the world, um, which I arguably I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. Yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting because, you know, Carey Price has been in the league for for quite a while. I mean, his first season was in 2007, 2008, and he played 41 games. Um, and, you know, looking back at his save percentages, they've been pretty decent throughout his career. But it's it's only really that he's gotten this talk in the last year or two, maybe three. Well, actually, no, three, he, he won the – did he win the Hart Trophy a couple of years ago? I don't remember. But I think he might have. In the past few years, like you're saying, those are the years where it's literally been him absolutely carrying the team on his back. Yeah. And that's what's given him this recognition. I think it's because yeah. he has such consistent play and he doesn't break under pressure. Maybe other games, other goalies might have better stats than him, just raw. But I think the pressure he can handle, like this is also in Montreal, right? This is like yeah. the second biggest, maybe the biggest hockey market. So yeah, that's true. It's interesting. I I uh, I'd like to see. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of players that you know are good that you don't see specifically. So, um, yeah, I just think it's interesting because I think a couple of years before that, everybody was saying that Jonathan Quick was like the best goaltender in the world. Um, do I think that's true? Not really. I think he's very good. I think he also had a great defense in front of him as well um, when they won those cups, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, interesting things. Uh, Dude, Minnesota, the Islanders. I don't know. What's up? The, the Islanders. Oh, my gosh. What about the Islanders, how they're, how they're in that last wild card spot? Okay, but look, they're, well, no, they're no, tied no, with Boston in points. I don't. I don't necessarily mean about the standing. Sorry to interrupt. Um, they so they fired Jack Capuano. Capuano. Uh, mm. Sorry if I butcher that. Uh, earlier in the season, and they hired longtime assistant. Not longtime, but used to be a longtime Islander, like thirteen hundred games. Doug Waite as an assistant a couple years ago, and now he's taking over as like interim head coach. 
And only after like a season or two, so they fired their coach. Their GM has already arguably been like kind of like iffy moves for a long time. They like signed all these like mercenaries over the off season, and it's like, are you trying to get younger? Are you trying to rebuild? Like, what are you doing? And they like sell away like PA Parento, some other players who like had good seasons. And they just recent, and they had the whole Nassau Coliseum issue where it was mm-hmm. kind of falling into disrepair, so they moved, and they're like, okay, we're going to move into Barclays Center in Brooklyn, where the new Brooklyn Nets play, and they're, like, killing it. Like, such a nice new arena, and they got, like, new third jerseys to match the the Nets jerseys, and the arena sucks for hockey. Like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you Google some, like, sightline pictures, there's, like, pictures. It's clearly meant for basketball, and they, like, shoehorned NHL in there. But they, like, have pictures where, like, you're missing, like, a whole, like, bottom quadrant of the NHL arena if you have a certain si- a certain sight line. Because, like, the angles between stands are, like, different. It's, it's really weird. The arena itself looks beautiful, but it's so bad that they're, like, it was something, like, they're, they're already talking of not playing their next season. I'm, maybe it's not next season. But they're already getting out of the out of the Barclays Center and have to find a new arena again. And it's just like, oh my gosh, what are you, like the Arizona Coyotes? Like, come on. Like, you can't find an arena like long term. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at some of these pictures and they have these, you know, like those high school gyms, those bars that raise up on on the bleachers on the side. They literally have those and it's blocking like some premium seat views. It's ridiculous. It's, that's absurd. I was not joking. It's so bad. Those those seats are worth like two dollars. I know. <laughs> you can't even see. And it's literally like a high school it yeah, it's exactly it's like a high school stadium. Like oh, <laughs> I'm just so looking at I'm getting like mad. You can't even so at this picture I'm looking at, maybe we'll I can't include it because of copyright. But, like, it's exactly like that. It's, like, the end of your high school bleachers for a basketball yeah. game where it has those, like, protective bars yeah, where those, you can fold the bleachers bars, into yeah. the wall. And I'm looking at it, and it's one, two, three, four, five rows up. These are, like, premium, like, bottom-of-the-bowl seats. And I can't see anywhere without unobstructed views. I cannot see in the defensive zone near me anything below the far dot on the other side and it's like completely obstructed right now but you can kind of see through it because of the bars and some of the seats so like i utterly can't see anything with no one there with at the near side circle dot like and then closer to the wall but like if people were sitting there like like you literally couldn't even see your own half of the ice their scoreboard it looks like doesn't even line up with center ice yeah that's another thing it doesn't line up with center ice either which is just like what a disaster (laughs) how is that even good for basketball though it super hurts me strange bleacher things are in the way anyway (laughs) enough berating the islanders (laughs) arena Uh, can we just a comment one last comment about this yeah is that the sap center is actually one of the oldest arenas non-major renovated arenas in the nhl and it's actually like really nice there's it, nothing I like the off shark the top a lot yeah yeah there's nothing like about the state of it being in like disrepair like say what you want about concessions like oh they don't have the right food i like or something like that but like the arena is good it's nice it's up kept well there's a lot of space to walk around 
sightlines are great. Even upper level, upper bowl sightlines are great. Like you can see the video board from every angle. Like it's nice, and it's one of the oldest teams. Like uh, I've said, I I live here in Seattle. Last year for my birthday, the Sharks happened to play the day before my birthday in Vancouver. So we, uh, my wife and I, took a road trip and we went to Rogers Arena. And I was like really excited. I was like, oh, I get to play, play the Canucks in Canada. Get to see the Sharks play. You don't get to see them very often up here. And it's in Canada. It's going to be so special. The arena is going to be so amazing. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I was in downtown Vancouver. But the arena was, like, really crappy. It was, like, not very nice. Yeah. And, and hearing stuff like that, and you see, like, Barclays Center. Like, if you just imagine, like, every time I hear about a new arena, I always think of, the, like, the new Edmonton arena. Like, just absolutely pristine everything. And then it's like, oh, no, it could end up like Levi's Stadium. All the crap that goes on there with, like, the oversized costs and people not liking it as much either. Or it could be, like, Barclays Center. It's like, I'm glad the Sharks, (laughs) like... There was some talk about that, too, recently, where there was, like, low-key rumblings about the TV deal was going to force the Sharks maybe to to relocate. Yeah, and then Hasso Plotner just, like, did everything behind the scenes. (laughs) Didn't, like bring it to the media or make a big fuss about it or like a public display yeah just like, it was so nice when that. they made that announcement that they're gonna like be here for the next like 10 to 20 years at least yeah you're like they're yeah. gonna leave what <laughs> it was like thank <laughs> yeah. you for keeping it under the wraps hasa i know that was that was kind of scary um yeah anyway uh i guess we should close this up pretty soon but I, I just kind of want to bring up this last thing about Minnesota. So Minnesota's having a great season. Um, but how many times have we seen uh, great seasons in isolation over the past few years? Um, moderate to great seasons. Uh, what I'm thinking of Mi- Minnesota, and I'm not saying that they're not going to be good for the long haul, but I'm just kind of throwing, you know, throwing a little bit of doubt out there potential doubt because uh you remember colorado a few years ago they had that stunning season yeah uh which was followed by awfulness when they had (laughs) Um, that 56 save shutout against us where dan boyle scored the goal on ourselves to win the game at the pepsi center or pepsi arena wait you're uh, (laughs) well that was before that was before oh okay that's what Uh, i'm talking about like two or three years ago in the avalanche uh they had a great season there's also Calgary a couple of years ago, how they um, were doing well and they kept doing well and they ended up making it to the playoffs uh, yeah. mm-hmm. when the Sharks did not <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, what else? Uh, Columbus, this today, uh, not today, this year's season. Um, not really. They, there's even more doubt about them compared to Minnesota just because they've become kind of average after that torrid winning streak uh whatever um yeah i don't know i just just kind of thinking about these teams like how many of these great seasons are anomalies versus like a true representation of um a team turning the tide uh dallas is another team that we can consider that had a great season last season and that is back down in the dumps this season um and they have some great talent on that team do they have good goaltending no, all due respect to Antti Nemi, our for- former goaltender, and uh, Kari Lettinen, who was better back in the day. Um, yeah, I just, I just think it's an interesting thing to think about, like how many uh, 
what's going to happen next season to some of these teams that are doing well. Um, on the flip side, there's Tampa Bay, who's shown that they've been really good these last two or three years, and they're really struggling this year. But that's partly due to injuries, I think. Um, I just think the whole landscape across the NHL with what, where teams are at is kind of interesting this year. Um, Washington and Pittsburgh continue to be good. Uh, the Sharks are, are still doing really well. Um, the Ducks are doing well. Edmonton has kind of re, yeah. uh, risen up in the ranks with McDavid. Um, well, so with Edmonton, so I get I get what you're saying. So yeah. with with Edmonton, I think in the past like two years after they started just a like clear house in the front office, they slowly started to get some assets and slowly get better. But it's ridiculous right. they, what McDavid They needed has to accrue a lot more assets because they haven't had any assets in the yeah, last yeah, yeah, yeah. decade, right? More of like, more of like uh, just outside of just pure like pick assets. I think just like some roster players I think right. they've been missing. But I think what you've been saying, I think it's an interesting point. I think we're at a crux of traditional powerhouses kind of rotating through, and some of these teams that have been in really long rebuilds slowly starting to pay off like you're talking about uh columbus like for a couple of years now i mean they're they're in ohio so they don't really have a big hockey market there um but they've been getting a slowly getting a solid team for a really long time and they've been putting in some hard work and they've got a if you look at their roster they've got a, a lot of killer young players and they've got their goalie that they need and they've got some they've got some good players and i think you're starting to see them it, it really pay off for them however i think the um crazy winning streak they went on really brings higher their uh ranking for this season than probably they would have achieved if things were going at the normal pace of growth is that they were expecting like toronto their perpetual rebuild is finally starting to catch on again like just like last last season they had the first overall pick right and they picked austin matthews or was it did they have the first overall or second overall third overall dude you have to know this in the hockey they hockey had the first world. overall because <laughs> they got austin matthews yeah. and line a went too yeah that's right uh, i don't know why i said that but yeah like you have all these traditional powerhouses slowly going down and all of these newer ones getting pushed up like so for instance Detroit goes down in the playoffs this is a constant number of teams that make the playoffs from each division if Detroit doesn't make it that means one team is going to make it in for their for the place that they had occupied so who's going to be that and at, at a time like this that's a team like Columbus you know Boston slips previously in the past couple of years Florida has been on the bubble you know, Tampa Bay is having a crazy year where they just like absolutely sucked after, you know, making really deep playoff runs. And that's why you see teams like Ottawa and Toronto and Columbus who have been really kind of bubble playoff teams kind of in some playoff spots where they really look like they're going to make it. And then you have the team like the Islanders who've kind of been on the bubble for a couple of years now, um, trying to get things right, but still messing up along the way. Um, Western Conference, like Nashville, the team that they were uh, a couple years ago when they really had their first good playoff run for a long time, uh, they're very different now. They've got a lot of young scoring talent. They've made some big moves. They traded away Seth Jones. They traded away Shea Weber. 
they got some good talent in return for that. Um, just starting to see their GM really do some good things there. So props to David Poyle there, Dave or David Poyle. Um, and then you mentioned Minnesota. I know we harp on Minnesota a lot. I don't necessarily think that they are uh, – they've kind of been doing the same thing for a while, except for they're Minnesota, so they've got, like, like literally like every American hockey player just happens to be from Minnesota. And on the Bruins broadcast, what was really bothering me, the Bruins national broadcast game, literally, like, every single time there was some opportunity, the broadcasters said, this player is from Minnesota, or he's a good old Minnesota boy who played hockey, or, like, look at Paul Martin, he played for Minnesota. Oh, that guy's a golden gopher, too. Like, this guy played at some high school in Minnesota. <laughs> it was Like, the national broadcast day was, like, hockey day in America. Yeah. And they were absolutely going out of their way and making these ridiculous, like, jumps in logic to, like, connect people to playing in Minnesota. It was like, <laughs> I don't know what it is about Minnesota that you guys, like, have to say that every player comes from Minnesota somehow playing on this team. They were, like, naming people like other teams that, like, played for Minnesota. It's just like, calm down, guys. <laughs> like, we get it. It was so weird. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I think it to me it feels like they're just a team of mercenaries. I don't know why that is. I'm gonna look at their roster, but um, I've I've heard you say that a lot recently. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of the doubt that we have with them, right? Is that they're just like, oh, they just they're not classically have been doing well. Well, that that's kind of the, what they've been for the past few years, and yeah, they've. What I feel like they've been eliminated by Chicago a couple times recently. Yeah, they've they've definitely run into a buzzsaw a couple times. Um, like that. But you you look at their core and like they have some good good players, but is yeah. their core as good as some some other cores around the league? Um, yeah, maybe I mean, maybe you, talent wise in some ways, but they haven't had as much playoff success with their their players, you know. Yeah, like you look at Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, they both that one off, and this is what 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 gives me that like mercenary um, pers- persona- no, pers- perception of them. Ryan Suter, Zach Parise in the same offseason sign $108 million contracts for the teams. They get like matching contracts and become the captain and the assistant captain. Guess how many points Zach Parise has this season? Points. Yeah, because you're looking at it. No, dude, I literally oh, was wow, not looking at it. Oh, wow, great job. Was I yeah. literally right? literally 28 wow i he left can i get a round of applause from you thank you because i literally just guessed that he (laughs) left new jersey after making it all the way to stanley cup final him and Ilya kovalchuk kovalchuk went to the khl which was sad because i really liked him as a player um they left new jersey after they made it to the stanley cup final with peter DeBoer. um and Parise had like a 40 it was like a 40 or like a 50 goal season and like killed it and then immediately he leaves in the summer and he has not been that same player ever since and he never really was that like 40 or 50 goal player but he signed this enormous contract as if that was what he was doing and same with Ryan Suter like he's a he's a defenseman so I can't really claim points are the thing that drives him because he's definitely more of a, a shutdown guy but when you have a 108 million dollar contract you're gonna have to put up some points and like Jason Pominville, that's another huge name that they signed, and they so they've signed some of these like really big names that haven't really worked out for them, and it seems like for a couple of years they just kind of like filled in like all the big UFA market names yeah. onto their roster, 
which is what makes me feel like they are that team of mercenaries. And like you're saying, like they, you look at their roster, you're like, dang, like they got some good players and they got some good young players too. Like Charlie Coyle has been doing absolutely great. I mean, he's who we had to give up to get Burns. I mean, that worked out well for us, but like they didn't have Eric Stahl on their team only until recently. Like he was off rotting in Carolina for a while, just like making, not really doing anything because their team was so bad. But, like, I, I don't, I think it's finally paying off for them, in a way. I don't necessarily think that they're bad and that it's, like, an aberration that they're doing well this season. But let me ask you this. I, mm-hmm. I, I understand why they're doing well, but couldn't you see them going right back to doing, like, average next season if they're such a similar team to what they have been? I think they've really... Like, Eric Stahl has kind of had a resurgence this year. What if he drops off again? Like... Yeah. Like, I could easily see them being kind of average again next season, you know? Mm-hmm. Based on what we've seen as Same thing with Columbus. Even more so with Columbus, maybe, unless they kind of upgrade it based on their new talent that they found. Um, it's hard to make these pre- predictions, but my point was that I, I think we've seen these, um, these uh, kind of fevered seasons sometimes by t- some teams lately. And uh, I think it could happen again. We'll see. Yeah, I think I think historically for the past few years, Minnesota has done really well in the regular season. But just going back to that UFA stuff that I was saying, like they're going to be doing worse and worse. Zach Parise makes $7.5 million against the cap, and his contract runs out, and I'm looking at it now, after 22-23. It oh ends in gosh. 24 25. And <laughs> That's if he's so putting long. up. It's so long. And I remember up... when him and Suter signed, the, signed those contracts that yeah, same that's summer. Insane. And it was like, wow, that's that's so summer much money. And they were putting like so many eggs in those baskets. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they were, tr- you know, it was just cap circumvention right there. And you look at this, and he put up 56 points, that 38 points that year he signed that that deal he he played 48 games so it wasn't a full season and then it was 56 points and then it was 62 and then 53 and then 28 and it looks like he's missed a couple games this season but you know he's not going to put up 50 points this season unless he has like a point per game pace and he's like he's on the wrong side of 30 31 right now right he's 32 and you have them for what, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, until he's 40 or something like that, 39 or 40. They've screwed themselves. Yeah, like, why would like, you oh, sign a player? Yeah. So he, uh, that's, maybe, I mean, maybe we'll be saying this about Burns. If he's, like, great, but was Zach Parise, like, Zach Parise was really good, but was he, like... Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't great, ever... Great, great, you know? He wasn't ever like that. He came to the Devils and he had three seasons. He came to the Devils and he had a 31-goal season, a 32-goal season, a 45-goal season, and a 38-goal season, right? Definitely trending in the right way. He's basically a 30-goal scorer, had two down years in a row where he's 20, 25, and 14 goals this season. And then there was also that lockout-shortened season in 2012, 2012-2013, I think. Um, but... Yeah, like they've utterly like handi- handicapped themselves with these like terrible UFA deals, 
And, you know, maybe we'll be saying the same thing about Burns when he's 39, but he earned it, right? Yeah. He definitely earned it. Like, Zach Parise did not earn himself, like, a 10-year, you know, $100 million contract for $7.5 million a year. Like, maybe he earned it for, like, five, like, $5 million. Like, that's kind of, like, the points he's putting up are kind of, like, couture numbers, like a five, $6 million player but not a long-term 10-year contract or 11 or whatever it was. Like, they're going to really... No one's going to buy that contract, you know? They can't trade Parise. He also has a no-movement clause. And at $7.5 million, like, they're stuck with him, and you better hope that he starts playing better or they're going to be handcuffed to that guy. Like, it's like a... Man, like a cannonball in the ocean just drowning. (laughs) And, like, same with Ryan Suter. Yeah. Like, he's a defenseman, so he'll age differently. But he's got that same deal, the same amount of money. Like, that's really going to hurt them. And Jason Pominville, too. He signed until – he signed through the 2018-2019 season, and he makes 5.6, and he has not been producing the way they wanted either. Yeah. And I think that's really what's uh, kind of driving all this, is that they sign these players, and they haven't really been living up to what they asked for. Yeah. Anyway, interesting things around the league. Um, Good discussion tonight. Uh, Hopefully we can uh, get another podcast in in the next week and a half or so. Um, Any other last thoughts before we close? Two thoughts. Okay. Finishing up this UFA discussion, aren't you glad that Doug Wilson is generally kind of smart and doesn't sacrifice ourselves in the (laughs) UFA market? Yeah, definitely. Like, people say, like, oh, Mikhail Bodker was a bad deal. Or, like, you know, potentially Joel Ward and Paul Martin have the ability to be bad deals because they're older and they were a little longer than we thought. But, you know, they're not these, like, ultra-mega... But listen, that was that was worth it. Contracts. Where did we go last spring, mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup final? Yeah. That's automatically no. worth it. justified. You can't argue yeah. with that decision, right? Yeah, I mean, I... I but i'm just saying like the level the magnitude at which he makes these like maybe deals you would call bad it's like oh maybe an extra year for two to three or three to four for a joe lord or paul martin is not the same as like a 10-year contract for 100 million dollars for some guy you know he's had a couple stinkers here and there like adam burrish uh but that's what i'm saying like when he gets those stinkers they don't destroy us yeah that's true yeah he's overall uh, very uh yeah. Very kind of savvy with how he approaches, approaches calculated risks. Yep. And uh, today is we're recording on the twenty third, twenty fourth as the day turns in midnight. Um, that is one, two, three, four, five days to the trade deadline, including that day. I think some things can kind of go in after hours, so maybe five five days right there probably next time record there will be some movement on the sharks roster so probably maybe we'll see i mean kevin kerr thinks we need a scoring winger not need might want yeah i mean we're we we're positioned to go to stanley cup playoffs if there's something that we can do that makes sense to make us stronger i feel like we're gonna do it because we need to win now um and we've shown that we have the ability to get there so hopefully we don't lose someone that we dearly love uh, and if we do, I hope we get someone good in return. 
but uh, we wanted to get a recording out before there was possibly too much to talk about. So yeah, we will see you next time. See you next time. Go Sharks. Go Sharks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. Or you can listen online at www.backtothepointpodcast.com. Do you have any questions for us? Want to suggest a topic for us to discuss in the air? Tweet us at underscore back to the point or email us at back to the point at yahoo.com. The views and content included in this podcast are our own and is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League in any capacity.